let's make it a priority. This, this election is going to be consequential. I know we say that. I don't know if it falls on deaf ears. For those of you who vote regularly, God bless you. But if you, if you don't, um, I'm really, really encouraging you to get to the poll booth and to vote. These elections are consequential uh, for life here in Alaska as well as nationally. So uh, we would encourage you to uh, make it a priority to uh, participate in the process that God has left to us and uh, we have a responsibility to fulfill. All right, well, turn to Romans chapter 12 and we're gonna read verses one and two in just a moment here. But uh, I am speaking today on the subject of the series that we have been going through in different aspects of this, but seven dimensions of a spirit-filled disciple. Now, we have talked about uh, how a spirit-filled disciple is engaged with the Word of God. The Bible is, is of great importance to the spirit-filled disciple as a source of truth. It's a foundation. It is what we base our lives on, and everything that we believe about God comes from Scripture. And so that, that's the foundation. And then we talked about spirit baptism and how that fortifies a believer and gives us a dimension of prayer and worship in, through that spirit baptism experience to be more effective as believers. And then we talked about prayer. We talked about being on mission, evangelism, you know, sharing our faith with others. We talked about worship. And today our subject is service, serving the Lord. And so Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, I couldn't think of a, a more apropos scripture to uh, kind of launch from today. And, and Paul writes to the Roman believers, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, okay, your bodies. It's not often that we refer to our, our flesh and our body because oftentimes, you know, scripture, when we talk about the flesh, we're talking about sin. We're talking about, you know, something that's weak and fallible. But Paul here is, is uh, reminding us that our bodies matter in our, in our worship of God, okay? So we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The spirit-filled believer is involved in service to the Lord. Paul shares here in, in Romans 12, that if we count our salvation dear, if we count our salvation valuable, if we, if we believe, you know, the God of the Bible, we are drawn to serve him. Okay, you know, it's, uh, it's ubiquitous. Isn't that a good word, ubiquitous? What does that mean? Yeah, somebody tell me what that word means. I think it fits here though. No, just kidding. It means it's everywhere, right? <laughs> if it's ubiquitous, it's everywhere that you look. And the subject of service is ubiquitous throughout the New Testament. It means that Christians everywhere served because of their faith. I think the subject of, of service is so intricately woven throughout the New Testament that sometimes we can't see the, the trees for the forest, but service is what Jesus came to do. This is Jesus' own testimony about himself. Matthew 20, verse 28, he said this, just as the Son of Man, speaking of himself, did not come to be served, but to serve. That's Jesus' testimony about himself. This is why I came. I didn't came so that you could serve me. I came that 
I could serve you. And to give his life a ransom for many. You know, I think we as human beings, we like to get that turned around. You know, it's like we are here to be served, not to serve. It's kind of the way we like it. We like that comfort level of, you know, just kind of being arm's length and, and all that from being required to do things. But, but really, if we are to be like Jesus, he came to serve, not to be served, then we likewise should offer ourselves, our bodies, a living sacrifice to serve and not so much to be served. You know, Jesus, I think in, in somewhat frustration, you know, exclaimed, he says, why do you call me Lord and don't do the things that I tell you to do? Can you feel Jesus' frustration in this? You know, why do you call me Lord? Because Lord means that, you know, I am the one that you're serving, but you don't end up doing the things that I tell you to do. Let's, let's change that, okay? <laughs> let's change that. And let's really serve him as Lord and do the things that he tells us to do. One is that today is uh, that we offer our bodies a living sacrifice in service to him. There's a great passage of scripture in Luke chapter 10, if you want to turn there. And it's a story I think is familiar to probably nearly everybody. And uh, we read it today and look at it with the lens of service, okay? What does it mean to serve? What does that look like? Well, here is a picture that Jesus painted. Luke chapter 10, verse 30. I'm going to read verse through verse 37. Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed him, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked, and also passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day he departed, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him, and whatever more you spend when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three, the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan, which of these three do you think was neighbor or who served this man's needs, if I can insert that there. I think that's, that's the question Jesus is asking. Who was uh, a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? Or who served this man's needs? Well, the answer's obvious. And he said, well, he who showed mercy on him. And then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Service. How do we serve God? That's, that's a picture of what that looks like. You know, like I said, you know, we, you know, the priest and the Levite, they get, you know, the, the kind of the common, you know, application of this, you know, I want to be served. I don't so much want to serve. You know, that's messy or that takes time or that takes effort or that costs me something. And yet Jesus, you know, spoke of this Samaritan who did take the time. Now, if you were the person who had been robbed and beaten and left half dead on the side of the road, who would you want to come by? <laughs> who would you 
hope would stop and help you. Well, I think we all feel that way. We all feel our needs at times, and we would hope that somebody could help us in our need. But you know what? We are that person to someone else as well. You know, when we get into the whole thing about salvation and, you know, works, uh, service is a type of works, right? You know, the, the things that we do for others, the things that we do uh, in this body. Now, the Scripture, and I'll affirm this to the end, is the Scripture is very clear that we are not saved by the things we do. So, if we were to come upon somebody who was beaten and robbed and left half dead on the side of the road and help them and, and take care of them, we could not point to something as noble as that and say, well, I am saved because I did this, right? It is not by works that we are saved. It is by faith alone in Jesus, okay? And I think sometimes, you know, we, we have a hard time understanding the value of faith and things like service, things like works. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, I, I just kind of want to refresh this because it makes it so clear. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Okay, so by God's grace, by faith that we uh, exhibit, uh, we have been saved. And then he goes, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So what does that mean? All the good things that we do do not save us. It is by faith alone that God imparts salvation to us, forgives us of our sin. When we respond to his offer of forgiveness of sin, uh, by faith, he grants us salvation. And that's where we begin. But that's not to reject works. That's not to reject service. One of the great things that we miss, I think, in this present season, where there seems to be such an emphasis on grace, is the importance of our works. I hear conversations, sometimes out in public, you know, and drinking coffee, and you know, kind of overhear people talking about grace, you know, and, oh, I'm, you know, thankful for God's grace. And we are. There is not one thing that we would lessen the value of God's grace. Without God's grace, we are nothing, and we could not save ourselves. But in understanding the great gift that grace is, we should also understand what a great gift it is to serve the Lord with our bodies, okay? Not just to think about things, not just to have kind of a theoretical idea of what it means to serve the Lord, but present ourselves, our bodies, as a living sacrifice, which is our reasonable service. So we value grace, absolutely. We give it 100% value and we should also say that works are valuable as well. And even though we're not saved by the good things that we do, it is not to say that works don't matter. Works are the result of our salvation, okay? It is proof that we have been saved. It's very clear in the New Testament as we read that we are not going to be saved on the quality of our faith, okay? Faith is, saving faith is saving faith. It's not going to be that, you know, somebody uh, exhibits, you know, a, a better faith than, than ours or somebody else's. We are not judged by our faith, but we are judged by our works, okay? 2 Corinthians 5, 10, Paul is, is instructing the Corinthian believers something real important for us. Here. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. What is that? That's the, that's the believer's judgment, okay? We have either you know, been raptured away or we're caught up 
together with the Lord, and we're in heaven, one of the first events in that status is that we are going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, this is not a, this is not a judgment of condemnation, but what is it? Why are we there? For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And all means all believers here. That each one may receive the things done in the body. Remember, present your bodies a living sacrifice. So we are rewarded, each one, on the things done in our body according to what we have done, whether good or bad. Oh, so it does matter. (laughs) We're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and be judged on what we have done, whether good or bad. But that's where we are going to be judged, not to condemnation, but to reward. It's interesting. Everybody loves the book of Revelation. I think if I were to throw out to this group today, it could be any group of of believers, and say, hey, uh, let's get together for a Bible study. What would you like to study? I would say over half would say, can we study the Revelation? (laughs) And it's full of intrigue. It's full of mystery. It's full of uh, fascinating things. Uh, But if you read the opening chapters of that incredible book, chapters 2, and chapters three, and I just, I didn't project them because it's just going to take too long to do this. If you're taking notes here, get ready because I'm going to throw a barrage of scriptures out to you here in just a second. Revelation chapter two, verses two and nine and 13, and then 23, and then chapter three, verses one, eight, and 15, it says, this. So this is Spirit speaking to the seven churches. And this is what is repeated in all of those verses I just enumerated to you. And the Spirit says, I know your works. That's what the Spirit says. It's not, I know the quality of your faith. I know that you believe. I know that you have confessed Jesus as your Lord. I know that you have said that you are a Christian. It doesn't mention that. The Spirit says to those seven churches, I know your works. I've been watching what you have been doing. Okay? And that's what they were judged on. You can read it. Revelation 2 and 3. You'll get it. I know your works. They're not judged on what they professed, but what they did, or maybe we should say what they did not do. Faith that is not demonstrated through what we do is meaningless. If we just profess faith, oh, I believe in God, I believe in God. Yes, I believe in God, I believe in God. It gets us nowhere. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 17 says this, What does it profit, my brethren, if somebody says he has faith but not have works? I got faith, but I don't do anything. Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and One of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled. But you do not give them the things that are needed for the body. What is the profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Did I read that right? Did I read that right? Isn't faith everything? Isn't grace and faith just everything? Oh man, we are thankful for grace and we have faith. We confess Christ as our Savior and Lord, but we don't do anything. What does James have to say about that? It's dead. It's dead. James 2.18 goes on to say, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Here's his challenge to us. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Interesting 
thought there for us. How do you demonstrate faith? You know, we can say, I have faith in God, you know, that I love God, that I called him Savior and Lord. That's great. You know, I can also say, you know, I'm, I'm Barney the, the purple dinosaur. Okay. <laughs> but if I don't look like Barney the purple dinosaur, right, um, there's something missing, right? I'm not demonstrating what I'm confessing. And if we say, you know, oh, you know, I have faith in God, I believe in God, but we don't serve him, then it's just lip service. There's no proof of what our faith is all about. So, so James says, you know, show me your faith without works, okay? Just somehow prove to me that you have faith by doing nothing, and I'll show you my faith by what I, what I do. So service is what we do for the Lord. Our works is our service. In our text today, Romans 12, 1 and 2, we're to surrender our, our bodies to the Lord and to serve him. In offering our, our bodies, we present a living sacrifice, not just lip service or profession, but actual service to the Lord. So I, I don't want to get into, you know, it's a false debate, you know, whether we're saved by faith or, you know, works. What we need is both, you know. You can, you can buy a car, right, and uh, you can have title to that car. You can pay cash for that vehicle. But if you got nothing in the tank, it doesn't go anywhere. And works is like the fuel that propels the vehicle, okay? But works, you know, you can have a car. It can be all yours. It can be a beautiful car. It can, you know, have such wonderful things. I mean, cars these days, you know, aren't they amazing? I, I sat in a car not long ago, and it had a heated steering wheel. Is that, like, amazing or what? Can you imagine, you know, and, and we have remote starts. I, I can't think of a, a better life-saving invention than that, right? Uh, you know, you can, from the warmth of your house, start your car, and it's out there warming up, and the ice is melting off of it. My goodness, they're wonderful. So you can have all the wonderful features on your car, but if you don't have any fuel in it, you aren't going to go anywhere. And so is our service to God. We can have all the faith we want and, and uh, profess all those wonderful things, but, but, you know, if we aren't working, if we aren't serving, it doesn't go anywhere. And, uh, and so we have to be honest with ourselves and with the Lord. Second thought is service is something the Spirit-filled disciple desires to do. <laughs> we want to do that. If you're a true Spirit-filled disciple, you want to serve. You want to serve the Lord. Psalm 40, verse 8, says this, I delight to do, underscore do, I delight to do your will, oh my God, and your laws within my heart. What propels me is the truth of the word of God, and, and it makes me delight to do your will. You know, Jesus' frustration is, why do you call me Lord and you don't do the things that I ask you to do? The psalmist here is, is uh, projecting the right attitude towards us. I delight to do your will. Not just think about it, not just profess it, but actually do it. That's the thing I think every spirit-filled disciple needs to allow to grow within them. If you're a parent, when it comes 
what, what does it do to your heart? You know, if you, maybe your kids are up and grown and have lives of their own now, or if you're currently raising children uh, in your house, what delights your heart? You know, if, what if you got up and the trash was already emptied when you got up in the morning? What would that do to your heart? Or you came home from a hard day and, and your children were already vacuuming the house. Yeah, I know these are crazy thoughts, right? Crazy thoughts. <laughs> but what would it do to your heart? That's what I'm asking you. <laughs> what would you do? He's like, what? Oh, that's amazing. Oh, and you know, we love our kids. You know, even if they never empty the trash, even if they never vacuum the house, we'd still give them an eye out of our own body to save them if we needed to, right? Or a kidney or a lung or whatever. We love them that much. But what would it do to your heart <laughs> if they just did things because they wanted to do them? Wow, you know, it's like, I think at some point most households had a list of chores, right? Yeah, this is what you do. Make your bed, put away your clothes, do your laundry, whatever, blah, 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 blah. blah. And what if, you know, you, you, you walked in and, and they were happily, busily doing their chores? What are you doing? I'm doing my chores because I want to do them. And you take your temperature real quick and think, am I all right? Am I hallucinating, right? I wonder if God feels that way sometimes too. <laughs> oh, I love to do your will, oh Lord. And he's like, wait a minute, am I hallucinating? <laughs> oh, just, you know, we can bring that kind of joy to God's heart. Uh, you know, when our children are doing what we're asking them to do with, without even being asked. Boy, that's, that's amazing. You know, you get up in the morning, it snowed a foot outside, and, and your children have already shoveled the driveway. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Children, we're going to do something fun today because <laughs> you have blessed my heart. So our text, going back to Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, tells us that the renewing of our mind it's part of offering our bodies as a living sacrifice. Can, can we go back to Romans 12, 2? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do you realize all it takes within us, it, it's so simple, it's so profound, but it's so difficult, is just to say yes to God and say, I want to do that, and then go do it. When, when Romans 12, 2 tells us that the renewing of our mind is part of offering our bodies as a living sacrifice, you know, the natural mind does not want to serve. The natural mind wants to be served, right? And we're kind of used to that, you know, we go to the restaurant, we don't hop up and tell the busy waitress, hey, tell you what, I'll get the coffee, you know, and I'll, I'll wipe the tables down. And, no, it's part of their service, right? And we like to be served. We were in a restaurant, I, you know, we had to go to Anchorage, uh, the wedding of, of a young man and, and a woman, former part of her church. And so we, we were wanting to be there. We stopped at sunrise. Anybody eating at sunrise? Let me tell you what, just... Eat breakfast there some mornings. You're going to Anchorage, just stop at Sunrise, a little restaurant there, right there on Kenai Lake, uh, right Quartz Creek uh, Road. Man, I tell you what, it was great. It was great. It was affordable. 
when was the last time? <laughs> Two people ate breakfast for under 30 bucks, and the waitress was very nice and served us well. We like to be served, you know. We like to be served. But let's change the, the thinking that we don't just want to be served, but we want to serve. The natural mind does not want to serve. It wants to be served. Our natural mind does not want to work for others. It wants others to work for us. And we need a transformation of the way that we think in order to do what God has asked us to do. And if there's anything that pleases the Lord, it is to do what he has asked us to do without hesitation. And if we can get to the place where we delight to serve the Lord, it's, it's a game changer. So much changes when we want to do something. Isn't that true? It's like, oh, I want to do that. I want to serve. Hesitation, excuses, dread, avoidance, fatigue, all leave. Haven't you ever felt that? You know, when your mind is not, like, you know, wanting to do something, and all of a sudden you feel all of these, these things, you know, hesitation, you feel excuses come to mind, dread, avoidance, uh, fatigue, you know, all of those things. That, that all just goes away when we just desire to do what we've been asked. And the key to this, how do we get there? The key to it all is, is love. When we love someone, we do not hesitate to do what they ask of us. That's the bottom line, isn't it? If we love somebody, it doesn't matter what it is. Put me to work. Put me to work. I'll do whatever you need. You know, we don't look for a way out. We don't make excuses. We don't avoid doing it. We do it because we love that person. In fact, when we really love someone, we desire that they ask us. You ever had a loved one, somebody that you love? maybe a family member, maybe a friend, and they're in a, in a difficult way, maybe in their health or finances or whatever, and you want to help them so bad, just ask. Just ask me. I'd love to do whatever it is that you need. Why? Because love motivates that. We offer help and our service to them, hoping that they will take us up on that. And that's the kind of relationship I think we all crave and we all want we can go after that. We can seek it out. We can set our minds to service with a predetermined response, which is yes to God. That is, I pray, where our relationship with Jesus is that we, we love him so much is that when the opportunity to serve him in some capacity comes up, it's a predetermined, yes, I will do that. There's nothing he could ask of us that we would not desire to do. So the question is, if we bring this to a conclusion this morning, where's your relationship with God? If he asked you to serve him in some way, what is your predetermined response to that? You know, do you, is it hesitation? Is it avoidance? Is it excuses? Or is it just like, yes, I'm glad you asked. I will do that. Probably a range of things in there. But if we could just move the gauge to that response, Lord, I love you so much that whatever you ask me to do, I will do that without hesitation. Can you stand with me or would you please stand with me as we close today? Heavenly Father, today, Lord, help us connect faith and works. Because one without the other 
is dead. Works do not save us. It's faith that saves us. But faith is dead without works. So Lord, help us to connect these things and that you won't have to exclaim in frustration over us, why do you call me Lord? If you don't do the things that I ask you to do. Lord, that we can see that our faith demands that our bodies be a living sacrifice to you. The Lord, that the things that we do are an expression of our faith. Our faith speaks when we work. So Lord, whether it's in the church, whether it's outside the church, Lord, help us to have that predetermined response of yes, I will serve you. Yes, Lord, I am glad that you asked me when the opportunity to serve is presented to us. Lord, that we won't feel dread or hesitation or fatigue or avoid you. But Lord, we just engage and bring faith and works together in the package, Lord, that completes both. Lord, in our life and our relationship with you. Because, Lord, when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, we do not want to come empty-handed. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us find ways to serve. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God.